right, I'm going to get into my message, but I've got to get stuff off my chest first, right? So I have a confession to make. I'm back in the gym, ladies and gentlemen. I know. I deserve a round of applause because I quit for three weeks. And I've been very miserable this week. I went twice and I worked out. And I don't handle pain very well. I don't do very well with pain. Friday, I was miserable. Friday, I wanted to die. Because my chest hurt, my arms hurt, I couldn't sit, I couldn't bend. Every part of me was hurting. I also quit all my energy drinks four weeks ago. People were telling me that they're not good for me. I feel like they helped me. And so between the pain in my body and not having the caffeine intake that I'm usually used to, I have not been a happy person. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because there's a price to pay to get what you want. And it's not comfortable and it's not easy. Amen? Whether it's for yourself personally, for us to go take territory in Africa, for us to go dig wells in Kenya and Turkana and to help families, for us to do what we're doing here in the United States, it is not comfortable, it is not easy, and it takes you laying down your life to do the things that you know to do and you need to do. Amen? The things that God is asking you to do. And so there is a surrender that is required to get to the goal. Amen? And it's going to cost you something. Look at the person next to you and tell him it's going to cost you something. And it's not comfortable. And it's not easy. And then when you start up, you say, yes, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get into the gym. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to get solid core. I'm going to feel good. I'm getting off energy drinks. And then you're, you cut your leg open, and then you are like this for three weeks. You can't go back to the gym. Stuff comes up, resistance, things come against you. You say, I'm, I'm starting Financial Peace University. I'm getting out of debt. We're building wealth. We're moving forward with our finances. We're going to leave an inheritance to our children. Amen? Not just financially, but a spiritual inheritance to our children. And you start moving forward to do this. And then all of a sudden, things break. Stuff goes on. Stuff comes against you. Things change at work. And you ask yourself, man, I have just set this goal to achieve this thing for, you know, God's wanting me to do this. God's wanting me to be healthy. God's wanting me to be prosperous. God's wanting me to be blessed. God's wanting me to have good relationships. And you start working on these things and stuff comes up and things get in the way. And you have to make the decision that you are not going to let these things push you over, but you're going to push through. Can I get an amen? And so as miserable as I am. I look fine, but on the inside, I don't feel normal. But you know what? I rely on the Holy Ghost, amen? That's what I'm relying on. I'm relying on the Word of God. I'm relying on the Holy Ghost. And you've got to make a commitment, and you've got to make a decision on the inside of you, and you're not going to let anything stop you. Can I get an amen? And so we're talking about encounters with God. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about 
encounters leading you to encounter. And this is the most important thing for us is to encounter the Lord. Look at the person next to you and tell him you're supposed to have encounters with God. In the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, you can open your Bibles. Exodus chapter 3 out of the New Living Translation. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father. Look at the person next to you and tell him he's the God of your father. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious place. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I still haven't figured out milk and honey, but I guess it's a, a nice place, right? Must be like a direct translation, the land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go the people of, to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Amen. And so here we see Moses. Moses was delivered at the age of two years old, from the hand of Pharaoh. He was born in a time where his generation was being murdered. Every boy two years and under was taken to the river, the Nile, and drowned and killed. So he escaped death when he was two years old. Amen? And 
He grew up in Pharaoh's house. Even though he was an Israelite, he grew up in Pharaoh's home. And he understood the ways of the Egyptians and how things worked. And then he went to go see, when he was older, he went to go see his people, see how they were doing. He saw um, an Egyptian mistreating one of the Israelites. He took things into his own hands. And he killed the Egyptian. And then when he went to his people the next day to talk to them and help them settle a dispute, they said, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And the Pharaoh found out and he fled Egypt. He went into the wilderness. He went out there and he was on the backside of the desert 40 years. Look at somebody and say 40 years. And at the age of 80 years, Moses has this encounter with a burning bush. And God speaks to him and God calls him and he didn't feel qualified at all. But God had chosen him to go back. He equipped him and he empowered him to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt with signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. And what I want to say to you today is when you have an encounter with the fire of God, you want everybody to have that same encounter. Look at the person next to you and tell him when you have an encounter with the fire of God, you're going to want everybody to have that same encounter. Amen. We don't need religion. We need God. Amen. And so here at Pure, we have, we have a process. Look at the person next to you and say, we know what we're doing. We're going to help you grow. And so there, there are five areas, right? When you don't know God, you're out in the community, you're part of the community, and you're just living a sinful lifestyle. Whatever feels good, whatever your flesh wants to do, right? You're just out there lost. And so the next step for you to do is for you to move towards God. And we have the church right here to help people move towards God. People come in and they visit the church. They come check churches out. Any, any people have checked out a couple of churches in their lives? All kinds of strange things out there, right? All kinds of things that are out there. And it's, it's amazing to me that people are brave enough to actually walk into this building because they have no idea what they're walking into. I salute you. And so people that are part of the crowd, they visit churches generally Christmas and Easter. They see and Christians, all right? Their commitment to God is twice a year, when he dies and when he's born. Anybody used to be a C&E Christian? Let me see. Yep. And so the next place, and you've got to understand that every, every step closer to God is another level of surrender. Look at somebody and say, you've got to surrender your time. You've got to surrender your life. Amen. It's going, God wants your life being submitted and surrendered to Him. So that means you have to give Him time. We talk about the five T's, your time, your talents, your treasure, your temple, your tongue. Five areas to surrender to the Lord, right? And so once you visit a couple of times, you say, you know, these people are not so bad. A little crazy, but I like it. I feel God here. This is different. It's, it's uh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go check it out one more time. And then what happens is you slip. You go right into the water and you never leave this place. <laughs> then you become part of the congregation, right? And, and as someone that's part of the congregation, you're now sitting in the services and you're listening to somebody teach you which is good. There's a season where you need to be instructed, and there's a season where you need restoration, and there's a season where 
um, you're prepared to know God and, and get a foundation in the Word and overcome some stuff from your past. And it's a, it's a place of healing and preparation. Amen? Where you move from sitting into a place called serving. Look at the person next to you and say, you've got to move from sitting to serving, which is another level of surrender, right? Because this is going to require you to become a member here. And once you become a member, we are going to require you to come to Wednesday night services because that's where we're equipping and training our members to serve and move them from serving to leading. And so we want to create leaders in you. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you're a leader. You just don't know it yet. And if you hang around here, you're going to be leading people to Jesus everywhere that you go. But the level of your surrender, amen, determines the level of your commitment and how much God can use you. If you're only going to give God one hour a week, that's all He can do. And it's got to be more than Sunday morning. You've got to have a personal relationship with the Lord where you're actually reading your Bible at home, where you're praising in your bedroom, in your car, where you're worshiping in the shower. Amen. You're having God talk to you everywhere you're going. Amen. You don't need a hotline to pass the neck. You've got a hotline to heaven. When you get the Holy Ghost, you've got a hotline straight to heaven. Right into the throne room, the red telephone, straight to God. Amen. And so that's what we need to develop in you where you know who you are in Christ Jesus and you know that God loves you and that you know you can go to Him anytime. And even if you mess up, you're not running from God. You're going to continue to run to God, right? And that's the group of people we got in here, a group of people that love the Lord with all their hearts, all their souls, all their mind, all their strength. They're running after God with everything that they've got. Amen. You want to be part of what God is doing in these end days. Jesus is coming back soon. But until He comes, we're going to possess the land and we're going to do the work that we've been assigned. Amen? And so this is where we're taking you. This is where we're going. We're leading you out of Egypt. Look at the person next to you and say, we're taking you out of Egypt. Which is you serving your own will. You're doing your own thing. We're moving you from being a sinner to being righteous, from poverty to wealth, from sickness to health, from being cursed to being blessed, from being in self to being in Christ, from being in bondage to being free, from being a slave to being a king. That's where we're moving you. But if we're going to move you there, we've got to go through the wilderness. Look at somebody and say, you've got to go through the wilderness. There's no helicopter ride from Egypt to the promised land. Beam me up, Scotty. And there are no shortcuts either. There, there is a shortcut. It's the straight road when you walk through, and you don't go around the mountain a hundred times. Amen? You don't go around 40 years just wandering in the wilderness. Moses was in the wilderness 40 years. The Israelites were in the wilderness just wandering for 40 years. Why? Because of their doubt and their unbelief. And so in order for us to get you from this mentality to that mentality, we've got to renew your mind with the Word of God. That's the thing that needs to change is the renewing of your mind. Look at the person next to you and tell him you've got to renew your mind. And if... If you've heard people that are anti-God, they'll say, that place is a cult. They're going to wash your mind. 
They're going to brainwash you. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take your brains and we're going to wash it from all the filth, all the trash that makes you think you're that, and we're going to show you who you really are. Can I get an amen? And so we want to get you from serving the will of self to serving the will of the Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So this is where we're leading you. This is where we're taking you. And so this is my, this is my art. This art is very expensive. This in a museum, priceless. My two-year-old could do better, but it's fine. I don't have a two-year-old. We have two-year-olds in preschool. We've got 600 kids that we serve every single day. That's what I was referring to. And so Moses has this encounter in the wilderness, right? And God sends him into Egypt to deliver his people to bring them out to this mountain where they can have an encounter with God. And that's what we want for every single person. Sunday morning services are designed to get you to surrender. I'm telling you what we're doing. I'm letting the secret out of the bag, right? Our whole purpose for Sunday morning is for you to surrender your life. Because if you don't surrender your life, you cannot be restored. Look at somebody and say, if I don't surrender my life... I will never be restored. You see, you have to surrender your will first. You see, the will is the place where you choose. And if you don't surrender your will to God, then you will not choose the things God wants you to choose. You will choose the things you want for yourself. And your will is the first thing that has to be surrendered. If you don't surrender your will, you will constantly be butting against God. But God, but God, why God? There'll always be a fight. And what you have to do is you have to surrender to the fact that there is one God. Say one God. And you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as you do yourself. You have to surrender your life to God and give Him your whole life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You, all, your, all the things that you've achieved, all your failures and mistakes, every hope, every dream, every desire, every plan, your family, your finances, everything you own is actually all belongs to God. And until you get to the place where you realize that He is God and you're willing to surrender everything to Him, you're not moving forward. And you have to decide that the Bible, the Word of God, is the final authority. And that when you read it in the Bible and your life does not line up with what the Bible says, you say, Lord, help me change. Can I get an amen? Look at somebody and say, Lord, help me change. And that's what this is about. God loves us and He wants us to change. He wants to help us change. But there has to be a standard that you live by. And this is the standard for our lives. This is it. This is the highest standard. This is what God has set in place for us as mankind to practice. You see, with every form of worship, there's practices. Look at somebody and say, with every form of worship, there are practices. 
the Egyptians practiced a different form of worship than the Israelites did. The Egyptians had all these different gods that they served. They had sorcerers. They had magicians. They have practices. Amen. You go to different churches, there's different practices. I used to be a good Catholic boy. I didn't make the, the altar boy team because my dad got kicked out of the church when, before my time. My dad went to a Reinhard Bonke meet breakfast, business breakfast in Whitbank in South Africa, and he got saved and gave his life to Jesus, and he realized that the things in the Catholic church weren't all what they were supposed to be, and he went to discuss it with the priests and my dad is Arab. He's from Lebanon. And when an Arab man finds Jesus and then go confront the priest about their practices, it does not end well. And so our family was asked to leave the Catholic Church. But I remember going. When you walked in the door, you dipped your fingers in the holy water. And everybody dips their fingers in there. And that water isn't as holy as you think it is. I have a joke for you. Please don't get offended. How do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. Those dad jokes, you know. Whoo! So you would walk in the church, dip your finger in the holy water. I mean, the kid before you had boogers, and you don't know what's in that holy water. And you put it on your body, especially your face. Amen. Then you walked into the church and you had to do all these different things. Sit, stand, hail Mary, and the Lord is with thee. Right? The priest with the holy smoke coming down the aisle. You choke to death when that stuff hits you. And so I remember going to those church, those services, and Jesus was on the cross. Jesus never came off the cross, he's still dead. And there are all these different practices. I remember on Easter Sunday, we, on Palm Sunday, we would get palm tree uh, things, fronds, and we would make a cross out of them, and we'd go home with a, with a palm frond cross, <laughs> right? And we did a lot of good things. We helped people and all that kind of stuff, but I did not know God. Amen? I went to church. I heard messages but I didn't know Jesus. I did not have a personal relationship with the Lord where the Lord spoke to me. And when I was 16 years old, I went to my mom and my older brother decided I needed Jesus. So they sent me to a revival meeting. And when I went to Johannesburg with my older brother, I thought I was going to party and have a good time in Joburg. Little did I know they were taking me to church. That's very embarrassing as a 16-year-old, going to a happy, clappy church with people running down the aisles with tambourines, people singing, worshiping, my image, my ego, what am I going to tell my friends? And I remember sitting in that meeting for like three to four hours, and I didn't understand a single word this guy was saying. But at the end of the meeting, he asked the question, do you know Jesus? If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd spend eternity with God in heaven? And he said, I know Jesus. I want to introduce him to you. And when he said that, when he gave the call, my heart started beating in my chest where I knew I needed what this guy was talking about. 
And you know, it was so hard for me to lift my hand and surrender and say, yes, I need Jesus. But it was the best decision that I ever made in my entire life. And I want to let you know, family, that every step of the way you have to surrender. And there are different practices that come with different religions. And until you know God, until you meet Him, and until you discover His Word, and until you begin to apply the things that God says in His Word, you are not practicing the things that God has that are going to produce life and life more abundantly. If you're outside of God, you're practicing some weird religion, and you've got some weird practices that go along with it. My, my, my family line, the, there's, there, you know, obviously my dad's from Lebanon, I mentioned it, but when I would go over to my aunt's house, they, we would drink Turkish coffee. Anybody know Turkish coffee? You got the grind still in the coffee, and the coffee settles, right? But when they pour the coffee into these little cups, there's a little bit of, like, coffee grind that gets into it. And then once you have finished sipping your Turkish coffee with baklava, by the way, then your aunt would take the cup, turn it over, twist it, and she would read the cup to you about your future. And there's all these practices of divination and things that are not godly that you grow up with in your household because your family line does not know God. Your mom goes to the fortune teller. You go to Madame Maria. You get your tarot cards read. You go to fairs. Oh, let's go see the psychic. Right? Then as kids, your friends say, oh, we got a Ouija board. You got to try it out. We're going to summon the spirits. Woo! And so there are all these practices that are outside of what God calls holy about what God has designated for your life. And what we have to learn is that if you're not, if you're not under the Holy Spirit, you're hanging around with a family familiar spirit that works generationally. Until you know the Holy Ghost, you don't really know the voice of God. You've got another voice in you that sounds like God, but it's not. And what it does is it produces vain imagination where you think you're hearing the Lord because it's so real to you. But only when you get delivered from it do you realize what the real voice of God sounds like. And that's why people say, I thought God said to me, but obviously it wasn't God. That's why people say this week, oh, God told me to do this this week, but then next week, uh, what happened to what God told you last week? Now He told you to do this, which is totally contradictory to what He told you last week. Because you're not hearing God. God is not confused. God's not going to tell you something today and then tomorrow change His mind. And so family, it's very important that we actually get the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God on the inside of us. To sil and we have to silence every other voice and we've got to abandon every other practice because there is only one God, one true God. And what you have to make a decision to do is that you're going to leave every other practice. Go to Galatians chapter 5. You see, when, when Lucifer came, Satan came and deceived the woman in the Garden of Eden. And her husband was standing right next to her, by the way, BTW. Yeah, he was standing right next to her. So when, uh, when Satan came in the garden to tempt Eve, right, came and spoke to her, what did he do? He said, did God really say? 
what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to get you to doubt God's Word. Yes, God really did say. It says it in the Word. This is what God said, and that's what God means. Amen? But what's, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come, and he wants to get you to doubt what the Word says so that you don't obey what the Word says. Look at somebody and tell them, if you don't obey the written Word, you'll never obey His spoken Word. And Matthew 4.4 4 says... Say it, Matthew 4, 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so what God wants to do is He wants to see if you'll obey the written word before He'll give you the spoken word. And that means you have to start obeying Him by starting to move away from the things you used to do and move towards God. And when you start dealing with the things on the outside and you're cutting it off from the things that you know are not right, what you're saying is, I am moving one step closer to God. I'm no longer going to live in the house with a woman that I'm not married to. I'm not going to be sleeping around with different people that I'm not married to. Anybody with me? Those are not practices of the Bible. The Bible says, find a wife, find a husband, one of them. The Bible says, don't get drunk. Oh, we're going to go out party on Friday. Whoop, whoop. I just drink socially. Let me read you an article. Just for fun. Florida Christian school teacher arrested after twerking on a student. Wait, it gets better. You see, this is the problem with Christianity. You, you call yourself a Christian, but you don't know God. Christianity is just another religion that accepts everything. It'll accept anything. Because there's no standard to live by. And then when you preach the standard that God has, then people get offended and they call you judgmental. No. If you want to live in the kingdom of God and enjoy the blessings of God, you've got to do things God's way. So let me tell you the story. A former, notice, former Florida Christian school teacher has been arrested for multiple incidents, including twerking on an underage student. According to the authorities, we'll keep her name out just for the sake of it, took part in the Point of Grace Christian school prom on April 8th. During the event, Hoover began pressuring a student to drink an alcoholic beverage by forcing the straw from her cup into his mouth. The school administrator told investigators the staff had the alcohol in the back room to drink after the event when the students left. So here's a Christian school. They allow alcohol in the back room when the kids leave. You see, this is the problem. This is the problem. There's double standards. Kids, you don't drink, but we, we can drink. And that's what people do in their homes. Kids, son, don't smoke. While you're smoking. Son, don't drink while you're drinking. Son, don't watch porn while you're watching porn. Son, don't sleep around while you're sleeping around. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. There are not rules for your kids, and then there's no rules for you. Sounds like our government. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. 
Rules for them, but not for us, right? Two different sets of laws. And that's hypocritical, guys. And there are things that we need to change. We need to genuinely get pure. Where there is no separation, amen? There's no double standard. There's one standard, and it's the standard of God. And you have to make a decision. I'm leaving Egypt, and I'm leaving the practices of the flesh. And that's what Lucifer did, or Satan did in the garden. He went to the woman. He deceived her. She ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God did not want you to live according to knowledge of what's right and what's wrong. God wanted you to live according to the law of life and life more abundantly, where you eat from the fruit from the tree of life, and you live one with your Father, and you do the will of your Father. A river of life flowing through you. Not sitting there judging what's right and wrong. When you walk in life, you don't look at what's right and wrong. You automatically do what produces life. That's why no matter how much good you do, you cannot buy your salvation. You can't buy your salvation, no matter how good you are. Well, I'm not as bad as they are, Jesus. No, that's the standard of good and evil, and it doesn't bring you into salvation. The only way to get saved and find God is through Jesus Christ. And you've got to make a decision. There's no other way. There's no other practice. We're not mixing religions. We're not coexisting. We're not doing all this crazy New Age stuff. We're not mixing Buddha with Muhammad and Allah and whoever else and throw some Jesus in the mix and make our own concoction here. I form our own religion. Oh, well, I like this, but I don't like that. Giving is part of the Christian um, way of life. It's one of the things that we do as Christians. Why? Because our Father is a giver. And Galatians 5.19, it lays out all the sins of the flesh. The things that were unlocked when man was deceived and disobeyed God, immediately in the family line it produced disorder. And when you look at the life of Adam and Eve, you see they had children, Cain and Abel. The first family had murder between the first two sons. Talk about a jacked up family line. But God wants to turn all of that around. Look at the person next to you and say, God wants to turn things around. I can't find Galatians in my Bible. I'm talking and paging. I know. It's like two pages. And they're stuck together. There we go. All right. Pastor doesn't know where Galatians is. You'll be okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. So this is what the enemy wants you to do. When you live in Egypt, you live according to disobedience, and these are the things you practice. Are you ready? Look at the person next to you and say, it's going to be okay. If you're doing these things, you can get better. It's not a judgment zone. But we want to help you get your life right. Amen? The choice is yours. You can keep doing what you're doing if you want to do it. That's fine. But don't say you're living as a holy Christian and you have the blessing of God in your life. Don't say it. Don't say, I'm a homosexual, but uh, God, I'm, I'm just living perfect. I'm the blessed of God. It's a practice in the Bible that God detests. 
Now you're saying, well, I, I, I got to change. I don't know how to change. That's fine. God will help you. Look at the person next to you. Say, God will help you. Say, it's a sin of the flesh. God loves you. He hates the sin. And he sent the Holy Ghost to break you free. The grace of God to overcome sin. All of it. Doesn't matter what it is. You're a gossip. You're a liar. Jacob was a liar. Pastor, you're touching areas. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to show you what the Egyptian lifestyle looks like, which is against what God has for your life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Say clear. The results. So that means you can see them. This is proof. Look at the person next to you say, this is proof. If you have these things, fruits in your life, then you're eating from the wrong tree. You're living from the wrong place. It says sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. If you're always fighting in your house, that's demonic. It's the enemy that wants to divide your household. God wants to bring unity into your home. Oh, pastor, he's touching this now. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. You mean I can't get angry? Well, you can get angry, but don't sin. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Division. Envy. Drunkenness wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at the person next to you and say, anyone living that kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to inherit all the spiritual blessings and everything that the Lord has for you. You're not going to have relationship with the Lord. Why? Because you're practicing things that are against God. And you've got to make a decision. I'm done with these things. I want to know who God is. I'm walking away from this stuff, and God is going to help me. Look at the person next to you and tell them, God is going to help me leave Egypt. You see, let me tell you what happens. Let me, let me, let me show you. When you live that lifestyle, you always have condemnation. Look at somebody and say, when you live that lifestyle, you always have condemnation. What is condemnation? People say, it's the devil on my shoulder. That, that voice on my shoulder that's always telling me how bad I am and that I'm worthless. And the enemy wants to defile you. He wants to tear down your self-worth, your self-confidence, and your self-image. And as long as you're practicing that, you think of yourself as a sinner that doesn't deserve God's grace, that God doesn't love you, that God hates you. You don't have any hope, and you don't believe God will do anything good for you. When you live in that mindset, you live in a pattern of destruction where just as when you think things are going to be fine, things crash. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who used to live there? I lived here. I was the chief sinner. 
I ruled in this realm. I'm not telling you stuff that I'm like, I'm all holy. No, I was the party animal in that realm. Committed every form of sin. The no good stuff. The stuff your parents warn you about. But I had to decide that I was done living here. That I wanted something better for my life. And even at age 16, I had a powerful encounter with God. The presence of God, but I still lived to please myself. You can come to church, feel the presence of God, and still live in sin. you got to decide I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I draw a line in the sand, and I am running to God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. Um, Josh, Joshua, not Joshua, Jeremiah says that the Lord has got good plans for you. He's got a future and a hope for you. But you've got to seek Him with all your heart. And if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. And family, you've got to make a decision that I, I've heard about this fire on the mountain. I want to worship God at the mountain. I want to encounter God. And I want to bring as many people to help them encounter the fire of God. But you've got to get there yourself. Until you've encountered it, you're not helping anybody. And people get into relationships and they say, well, I'm going to help him. I'm going to help her find God. But they don't even have it themselves. Obviously not God talking to you. It's another thing talking to you that you think is God. It sounds familiar, but it's not God. And family, this is real. This is real stuff. And I want you to know that there's grace available for you to break through. But you've got to decide you're done. And when you decide you're done, you will do whatever you need to do, whatever you need to fight, whatever you need to press through, to reach your goal. And that's why I said what I said this morning. I said anytime that you embark on a journey to go and do something, you're going to have resistance. But you have to press through and set your mind as flint and say, I am not turning back. I am going to break free from these things that are generational in my family. And if you will break free, your children won't have to suffer it. If you don't break free, your kids are going to repeat it. At Pure Conference, I'm going to be talking about breaking out of generational stuff. I'm going to show you exactly how to do it, and you're going to get free forever. Can I get an amen? So do you see where we're taking you? Do you see where we're leading you? But family, I want you to know and understand this is, this is not an easy journey, and you need God's help on the journey. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Say, Pastor, that was a heavy service. Yep. Sorry, I'm not going to preach some watered-down Christianity thing. Amen? We're going to bring the truth. We're going to lay it out. We're going to show you where the devil is holding you captive, where the devil is messing with you and your family. And we're going to break you through that stuff so that you can be free. Amen? That you can walk in liberty that you can walk knowing God, that you can walk not being afraid, that you can walk with confidence. Amen? So lift your hands to heaven. I'm going to pray for you quickly. Heavenly Father, right now, every person in this place, well, I've been talking about this stuff, which is kind of hard to hear sometimes. Father, you've been touching things in people's hearts, areas where they need to change. 
practices that they need to abandon. And Father, right now, right here, I pray that things would pop up right on the inside of them, in their minds, things that they have to walk away from. Show them the things that they need to let go. As I've been sharing your word, they've seen it like a mirror, looking into a mirror, and they realize the areas where they need to make adjustments. Now, from your own mouth, if you're ready to walk away from these things, you have to make a decision. I can't make the decision for you. You have to decide. And you have to decide whether you're going to continue in that or if you're going to move out of it. And if you want to move out of it, then I want you to repeat after me. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, for revealing to me the areas where I need correction. And I ask you, Father, to help me break free from these things that have me bound. And I choose, I decide today to walk away. Now, you have a little conversation with the Lord right now, and you tell Him what it is you're walking away from, what it is you're leaving behind, what it is you need help with. Do you have an anger problem? Do you have a problem with your mouth? Is it some form of addiction? No matter what addiction it is. Is it any form of sexual impurity? Whatever it is. What do you want to be free from? Jesus is your savior. Jesus is your deliverer. He'll come with that fire that my wife was talking about. And he'll set the captive free. Stuff that you get stuck in. It's a, it's a trap that you're in that you just can't break out of. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Say this, say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That He left heaven. He came to the earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life in obedience to God. He laid his life down. He shed his blood. He died a cruel death on a cross. He became a curse. And God raised him from the dead. And he ascended and he is seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority and all power. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, and I call to you, Jesus, to save me, to deliver me, to set me free from the things that have me bound. I am done living in the flesh, living in Egypt. I need you to lead me, to guide me, to teach me, and to break me free. Lord Jesus, I will follow you. From this day forward, amen. Now listen, some of you have to make decisions. 
you have to leave some people. Right? If I if I wanna if I wanna get my body in order, I gotta put the energy drinks behind me. I gotta say goodbye, energy drinks. I'm gonna get my life in order, I gotta eat differently. I gotta drink water. I don't like drinking water. But I have to drink water. I feel like I'm drowning, but I'm drinking water. I'm going to the gym to work out. Does it hurt? It hurts badly. But it only hurts in the beginning. It gets better. And you've got to understand that. It's going to hurt in the beginning, but it's going to get better. And you have to say goodbye to some things. You have to walk away from some things. Can I get an amen? There's some people you have to say goodbye to. Some people that you have to disconnect from. You know the things that you need to do. Are they hard? Absolutely. But you need to like rip the band-aid off. You need to say, I'm doing it. It's going to hurt, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to stop beating around the bush. I know I'm supposed to have done this a long time ago, but I haven't made the decision. And today you made the decision that you're moving forward. Now prove it by your actions. That's what, that's what John the Baptist said. He said, you brood of vipers. Who told you to come here and repent of your sins? Prove by the way that you live that you've truly changed your heart. We can stand here. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. You can stand here today in the presence of God and say, God, I'm changing. But will you go and make the changes that need to be made now? Because if you don't make the changes, you will be stuck in that same rut over and over and over and over again. And that voice of condemnation wants to pull you down and, and keep you in that pit. Can I get an amen? And so this is the real deal stuff, guys. Hate me now, love me later. You have to guard your mind and you have to guard your heart. Look at the person next to you and say, set a guard on your thoughts and on your heart. It's very, very important that you watch your thinking. And I want to encourage you, as you are going through the week, to start looking at the thoughts that are going through your mind and see what thoughts there are in there that are making you move towards things that you shouldn't be doing. It's always a thought. There's always something there leading you to do that, something on the inside of you, and you have to recognize what that enemy is. And I believe with all my heart this week the Lord's going to show you the things. Before you would mindlessly go and do the things. You just feel ah, whatever and then you would go in, enter into it. But you're going to be able to see the things that are, are speaking to you and leading you to do those things. And it starts with your thoughts. And we have to break out of these things and say, this is my season. Say it. Say, this is my season. This is my day. This is my time. I am breaking through. Say, I'm breaking through. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm breaking through. Enough is enough. Say, I'm breaking through. I'm not playing games. Uh, this week, I started getting glimpses of the Lord showing me what was coming for 2022, 23, for 23. What the Lord has for you. And I'm telling you right now, family, the Lord is going to bless you in this next year beyond 
what you can think, hope, or imagine. What God is getting ready to do is He's getting ready to overwhelm you with His goodness. But there's a fight. And this is the fight we're engaging in right now. And the fight is against the flesh. And you have to reckon your flesh dead. You don't, you don't, let your fle- you don't play games with those things. You crucify those things. You say, these things no longer have place in my life. I will no longer entertain the thought of it. I will no longer nibble on it. I will no longer let it run through my mind. I'm not going to enjoy the pleasures of sin anymore. I am putting a line in the sand. I am stepping over, and I'm walking away. And by the grace of God, me and my household, we're going to serve God. We're going to have unity in our home. We're going to be delivered. We're moving out of Egypt, and we're coming into the promised land. And we as a church can't help anybody else until we first help ourselves. How are you going to help somebody get set free if you can't even get your life in order? And this is a house of people that know their God and are going to do mighty things in His name. And we can get comfortable in church and we can get comfortable with it. But this is not a season to be comfortable. This is a season for you to break out. And to experience the, the goodness of God in ways you've never encountered before. And we're going after it, amen. You made impossible, possible you. You made impossible.